Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, your word does tell us that the uh, Holy Spirit descended uh, on what we will uh, will honor and celebrate in a couple weeks on Pentecost. Your Holy Spirit came down and rested among believers like tongues of fire. And that's power. And your Spirit is power. And it does uh, light us up. It brings people back from the dead, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so we claim that, we worship that, and we ask for that power. Because even though it rests in this house, does not mean it rests in the heart of every person in this house. So I ask that uh, walls that are very real even though they may not be physically constructed, that are around hearts in this house, uh, would be overpowered by the fire of your Holy Spirit and destroyed so that people could begin for the first time or perhaps for a new time, new life in Christ. Uh, That is my prayer as pastor for those gathered here for worship. And I know uh, not only is it possible, but we see it in your word and we see it in history and we see it in present relationships. And so we ask it today. And it's by Jesus, our resurrected Lord, that it can happen in his name. Amen. Thank y'all. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, our family ministry, uh, our kids going to go back to uh, their uh their class, and also, Jack, that means you. Let's go, buddy. Uh, they're also uh, getting warmed up over the next couple weeks for a family ministry choir uh, on Mother's Day. That's May 8th, so go ahead and put a plug in for that. It'll be a, uh, a special day, special time uh, that we can see uh, the Lord's gifts to this family uh, as they grow. We do this every year, May 8th on Mother's Day. Uh, today, uh, would you turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, uh, you can get one in the back on the table. You don't have to hesitate about getting up if you need one or just tell someone to pass you one. Uh, it would be our gift to you. Uh, we want to be a church not only united in the Word as we read, uh, but united in the Word uh, that we want you to have. So if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're starting, starting a new series today for a few weeks, and we are calling it A New, or A New, however you want to say it. A New, A New Life, A New Family, A New World, A New Creation, however you want to, to look at it. Now, uh, this series is actually based on, uh, on one verse, which we'll read today, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm going to put that up on the screen uh, right now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. A new creation. Experience that. 
You don't have to raise your hand. Some have a new creation. A new, you are a new person. Uh, I, actually, I think a lot of folks have not. Um, and a lot of folks who, who would say they're Christian. But a new, you're new. You're made new. A new creation. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful verse. So we're going to spend the next couple weeks about what, what does that look like? Uh, as we did in Lent, we wanted to look at Jesus. And that series we called He Is. This series, we want to look at what does a new creation look like? What does is, what is new life in Christ look like? Uh, this series will cover uh, a couple of topics. One is uh, our identity or your identity. Uh, identity is a, is a big deal. What do you put your identity in? Uh, is it a job? Is it a career? Is it getting a scholarship? Is it your athletic ability? Is it, you know, how fun you are or how much of a partier you are? Or uh, is it, you know, is it things of this world? Uh, your image, self-image, a uh, big deal around here, big deal in this zip code. Uh, your image to others, your self-image. Uh, it is, let me go ahead and say this, going to hit on issues of sexuality, which is a big deal uh, in this day and age and this week, actually, around here in this state. Uh, But most of all, it will hit on salvation. Because a new creation is what we call in Sunday school lingo, being saved or being born again. Uh, So like today and last Sunday, we've got our baptismal. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this is a baptismal too. It's not just a a big table. Uh, But it's a baptismal. uh, And we were blessed by baptism on Easter. And I've said this. After Easter, several folks said, uh, hey, I'd like to be baptized or like talk about baptism for the next baptismal service. Um, we are open to celebrating that on Pentecost, which is May 15th. We don't have to yet. Just throwing it out there. Uh, but I wanted to put the baptismal up here in the service uh, front and center or nearly center for a couple Sundays after Easter. Don't worry, it'll be gone next week for those of you like. I mean, I'm not, my wife can tell you, not decor-minded, but uh, I think it, it does lend to some power uh, for this series. A new creation, new life. New life. I want you to experience that. There are uh, challenges and problems in our world. Uh, some we see in our church family. Some we see outside of our church family. I believe many of our challenges and problems and issues come from what's called just simple relational pride. Now, what's relational pride? Uh, to simplify even more, I would say that's just when someone says in their mind, they may not voice it, but like, I know best. Yeah. I, know, I know best, pastor. Uh, I know best, spouse. Um, don't read into that too much. I know best, you know, I know best teacher. Uh, I know best leader. I know you're not my mentor in your mind. I mean, relational pride causes a lot of relational damage. So you can see it in the church. You can see it out of the church. Uh, it fleshes itself out on these issues of, uh, of racism, on these issues of uh, even sexuality, since we're going to be hitting on that some, not today as much. And, and then there are... Christians and there are non-Christians or there are folks that will say they're Christian but then they live a certain way. And so I'm 
pointing out all these challenges and problems because how is a Christian to act? What does a new creation look like? I mean, read about it, talk about it, you know, honor it, come to a worship service, there's baptism, man, that's great, but what does it look like in a day-to-day life? What does a new creation look like? Uh, I believe this passage we're going to read tells us, and I'm going to break it down some, but let's, uh, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21 first. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does a new creation look like? What should we aspire to if we are Christians? And it's tough because there's sin and there's Satan tempting us. What does it look like lived out? I want to go verse by verse, and, and I'm going to say a point uh, that I think that this verse speaks to us. So that Some are my words that I'm pulling, that I'm drawing from Scripture, okay? So like first, verse 16, we never give up on anyone. If you are a new creation in Jesus Christ, you should never give up on anyone. Because it says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Never give up on anyone. I've seen and also felt in my life the attitude that there's a broken relationship or there's brokenness or that you even see someone that you don't like And in your mind, you say, okay, I'll see you in heaven. Now, we might say something else. But let's just say, I'll see you in heaven. Or we can just get a cup of coffee in heaven and talk about that. Uh, You ever felt that? Uh, I have. In Christ, and you you don't give up on anybody. Ever. Because we don't regard them as the flesh. We begin to look at them with Jesus' eyes. And if we don't initially... Then, then my hope and why I believe you should come to church and you should go to a small group and you should be in God's Word is that you're encouraged by someone to look at people with the eyes of Jesus and say, don't ever give up on anybody. That a relationship can be restored. That God can melt the heart of a person. You don't give up on anybody. Uh, often in my life and in others' lives that I've seen, you know, we, we look at other people and we put them into different categories. It's either, you know, category one, they're so different, I'd never be friends with them, I don't want to hang out with them. 
Uh, category two, I want to be friends with them. I've heard that said uh, several times. I mean, hey, I want to be friends with that person. Uh, category three, if you're a Christian and, you know, maybe it's a non-Christian, I mean, you almost put per, uh, someone in the category of they are your mission. You know, and you're like going to save them today uh, or tonight or this week. And I, I'm a big proponent and believer in what I call friendship evangelism or relational evangelism in that it's just, you know, it's kind of take a pause, take a breath, and like just hang out. Like hang out with someone different than you. Um, don't like put it as your mantra to try to save them tonight. First off, I'm not going to save someone. The Lord is. And the Lord can do it, you know, either using me or not using me. But even if you just show the intentionality of patience and like just hanging with someone and you pray, Lord, let me see uh, this person as you would see them, Jesus. Uh, it does change the way you look at them and you don't give up on them. So one of the big things, I think a new, a new creation, you don't give up on anybody. And I think God pushes us you know, one of, our, one of our big things or our values here is to love the other person. I say this a lot. Love is a cultural value. And we, we'll love those who like us or we'll love those that we want to like us. But loving the other person, the one in the shadows, or the one who's not popular, not cool, however you want to call it, don't ever give up on anybody. A new creation doesn't. Next verse, verse 17, we've already read it, but uh, read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I read it again. It's the theme verse for this series, so we'll see it every week. But let me just make it simple. In Christ, a new creation, life starts over. Period. Do I... How do you think that? So look at John 3 3. Should be up on the screen. John 3 3. This is to Nicodemus, right before the famous John 3 16. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting is often you'll read that verse and you'll say, Unless one is born again, one cannot see the kingdom of God. And we think about the kingdom of God in the future as heaven. It's actually written in the original Greek, and we miss so much out when we read in English. He writes it in the present. He cannot see, like, today, right now, what is happening. As we say, he can't see a big God. If you're not born again, if you are not a new creation, then you can't see a big God. You can't see his kingdom going on around you right now in your chairs, I want to say in your pews. We don't have pews. In your chairs here, in this church, in relationships. You got to be born again. You got to be a new person. And so I say that with this verse is that literally I believe this. And this is, I'm going to push against this series some big kind of Sunday school ideas. Because let, let me say this. I was raised in a Christian family. You know, ever since I can remember going to church, nurtured by Christians. But you're not even though you're born into a Christian family, does not mean you're born into Christian faith. I need to say that. 
Because I don't think I was born again until later in life. And I started seeing the kingdom in a greater way. Jesus said you've got to be born again. Your life has to start over. And the good news is it can start over. You can hit a restart. You can have that. You can start over. And that also means that these other things that you have done or lived or thoughts, it's dead. It's gone. And you don't have to carry past shame. Jesus saves you from that. Past guilt. You don't have to carry that. Your life starts over. Going forward, verse 18. What's the new creation look like? This is a big one. I'm going to spend some time here. It says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Um, a word I think a lot of Christians like to throw a lot. Uh, we don't like to live it a lot. It's pretty hard. So I would say it like this. Um, a new creation is someone who lives to make things right with people. Like we can only do so much. We can't control another person. But we live to make things right. That's the ministry of reconciliation. We want to make things right. You ever heard that phrase? I want, hey, you know, hey, brother, or hey, sister, or hey, blankety-blank name. Put the name there. I want to make things right. Is that your posture to folks? Or is it not? Are you holding on to damage? Let me use that word. To damage, that's damaging yourself and continues to damage the relationship. Are you living out a ministry of reconciliation to have a posture, even though you may not even be able to speak it, because perhaps the person's so mad that they wouldn't receive it, but say like, hey, I'm willing to make things right. Uh, I believe a new creation does so. Does so. And, you know, this can happen on a couple levels. Uh, one thing is, uh, let's, you know, reconciliation is, is always thrown in in uh, racial terms, honestly. Um, you know, I was at a prayer lunch this past week uh, for Mission Mississippi. Uh, Mission Mississippi's spoken here. It's a ministry of racial reconciliation. You know, for years, uh, people were like, man, aren't we past that? And then, at least in the country, you look at the last two years, and uh, we can be, I'll be honest, I mean, we're not past it. We talk about racial reconciliation. And uh, <clears throat> I heard at this lunch... And I thought it was a really good point, saying that, you know, laws can never legislate the heart. Because uh, 1964, 1965, uh, there were some laws that came about and were passed uh, that were very good to bring about reconciliation, uh, voting rights, those things. And here we are, and the guy said, here we are 50 years later, praying for racial reconciliation. Uh, and so, you know, for some of our, you know, things in the present day, things in our, our life, uh, that's important to consider. A law can never legislate a heart. Because here I am, you know, again, this week, and I'm praying, you know, that we'd be one in the body of Christ. And it takes the power, as we prayed about it, of the Holy Spirit to, to make that happen. And even to have a posture of saying, hey, I want to make things right. There is a, uh, there's a great story, great testimony of a, a lady named... Corey Tin Boone. Anybody ever heard of Corey Tin Boone? Anybody? A few? Oh, good. Wow, that's a good show of hands there. Uh, my grandmother, uh, whom, uh, whom I love, she, she loves Corey Tin Boone, and she 
you know, put me uh, on some of her books. And uh, she's got this great story, for those of you who don't know. She's Dutch. That's Holland. And as a child, went to a concentration camp. Her sister was killed there at the concentration camp. She survived. She was a Christian. And she, she vowed to never enter Germany again. Never go to Germany. And then she had a ministry and she went and spoke at a church in Germany. And she saw in the crowd uh, one of the former Nazi guards uh, at the concentration camp that she had, and these are her words, she had walked across, you know, uh, naked, skinny, embarrassed, ashamed. Uh, They had, you know, killed her sister. And here was a guard in the church. And she knew that... um, she'd probably have a confrontation with him. After the service, he walked up to her. And she was like, you know, I cannot, I cannot speak to this man. And he came to her and he said that he had confessed and repented and become a Christian and that would she forgive him? Ultimately, by the way, this guy got convicted of charges and uh, was sentenced to jail, but he was seeking reconciliation. And he had confessed and he had repented. And she said, you know, the seconds in that moment were like hours as I was wrestling. He reached out his hand. Should I, should I take his hand? Should I embrace this man who now said he was a brother in Christ? And she prayed to the Lord because she said, I, I don't think I could. Jesus, help me. And in that moment, she said she experienced true forgiveness, true reconciliation, and and did embrace him because she was like, you know, I am a fellow sinner, and he had confessed and repented. And who am I? At the foot of the cross, there's an equal playing field, and there was reconciliation in in the direst of circumstances. Now, you know, often... Uh, Somebody could say, well, that's great, and I want to be reconciled, but I will forgive someone, but the hurt is still there. I mean, the hurt is is still there. And I'll ask him, I was like, have you really let go? Uh, Back at the church where I was was raised, there's there's an old-fashioned bell. You know, I mean, we got a steeple here, but there's no bell. There's a bell in the steeple, and what us kids love to do, like the kids that were down here, we'd love to run and see, you know, who would ring the bell, between Sunday school and between, you know, big church, as we call it, big church. And, you know, somebody would grab the rope and pull it, and, you know, you know ding, dong, ding, dong, whatever. You know, it would ring. Now, here's the deal. Whenever you, you rang the bell and then you let the rope go, the bell would continue ringing until it, it died out. I believe that is much how true forgiveness is. So sometimes we'll... Hold on to it. It'll be ringing like, I'm right. You know, this is my, this is my deal. I'm not going to forgive. And it's really all of our pride. Yeah, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep ringing. I'm going to let everybody hear, maybe in explicit or maybe in subtle ways. You know, I was wronged. Let it go. Now, when you let it go, the bell will continue to ring a little bit. Ultimately, it will die down and there will be no noise. You got to let it go. 
and I think that's a lot of true reconciliate. Let it go. It'll keep ringing a little bit. But at a point, to be silent. Do we offer that? Do we do it? Do we let go of the rope? New creations do. Moving forward, verse 19, uh, it's one of my favorite verses. And we talk about seeing a big God. You've got to claim this verse because it's not an opinion. This is biblical. It says it's not just personal reconciliation, it's global. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world. Uh, the Greek word there for world means is cosmos, the entire world. So a new creation says God is working in so, so big and profound ways all over the world, in this church body, in this city, ways we can't see, relationships here. He's doing things. God doesn't need us. He's asked us to work with Him. We get to, to go to work with Dad, literally, in His ministry across the world. But God's doing these, these big things. I want you to see a big God. It's, it is personal, but it's also global in scope. It's why we're so big on not just love your neighbor, but going to nations. Honduras, outside Dubai, India, Italy. I want you to see what God's doing all over the world. And then, look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. A new creation knows this world is not our home. Say that again, because this is a big deal, and... This ties into a lot of our idols here. A new creation. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. This world is not our home. So do we live for this world? Or do we live and see, as John 3, 3 said, the kingdom of God that goes on forever and our true home. And if we know that this world is not our home and we have a different home and a better home and an eternal home, it changes the way you live in this world ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Some of y'all have worked for government. Some of y'all maybe have worked in D.C. You go to the homes of ambassadors. You see the embassies. They are people from another country that are literally not in their home that are representing uh, the needs and how the world should be from their true home. That's how we should be. That's how a new creation is. We see the world differently. And we see this world. It is not our home. And to get tied up in the idols of this place, which have to do with identity, with image, even with church identity, with Bellwether, or how good of a church we are, how nice a church is, or, or how missional we are, or how, you know, all that. It's not our home. We should be for things that are greater and loftier, and higher, and that are above this world. That's what the Bible calls us to. And then last, and I love this verse. I love this passage, obviously. But this verse uh, really is the gospel in a nutshell. A lot of folks throw gospel around and like, what's the gospel? Or say, we're a gospel-centered church. This is, this is the gospel. I'm going to go slowly. For our sake. 
for your sake. It's personal. He knows you by name. He, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin. Think about this. Jesus became sin. His his life, his body became sin. And he knew no sin. So that in him, a new creation, we might become the righteousness of God. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is, hey, you cannot save yourself. Your money will not save you. Uh, Your churches will not save you. Uh, Your healthy life will not save you. Uh, Our workouts will not save you. Um, How good you are athletically will not save you. How knowledgeable you are. The good that you do, the missional you are, all the nations you go to will not save you. Something greater, bigger, deeper, more powerful, Jesus. He became sin so that in him, to turn and trust. You're like, how do I get this new creation? Turn and trust. You might become the righteousness of God. Um, And y'all need to know that because, I mean, I want there to be new creations like, like really new. Like, you look at the world in a different way. Like, you put to death some idols. And you're like, man, I want to serve. I want to love. I want to give. And it's not about what you can get out of it. Now, a lot of you here now are responding in, in a couple ways. Uh, some of you are saying, I believe, I can't. Because uh, you're, you're tied down with guilt. You're tied down with shame. You're like, I can't. I can't. Uh, that, that's a trap of the enemy. And you're right. To a degree, you can't, but Jesus can. And he's bigger and greater and more powerful than anything we can do or fathom. So, honestly, I'm not as worried about those that say I can't because I believe that Jesus can. I'm more worried about those who might say in their mind, I won't. I won't. Because those are the folks who um, I think can really be, be tied up with uh, you know, bitterness in relationships. Um, some of you here are probably uh, have come in and probably been burned by the church somehow, some way. Uh, you may just be here, I don't know, because a parent told you to go or a spouse told you to go. or you know, You're just here based on duty. Um, and there's a, there can be a mentality of, I won't. I won't. Um, that, that does concern me, not that Jesus is bigger and greater. It's just, uh, you know, I pray that, Lord, as I prayed at the beginning, your power, tear down those walls, melt these hearts. Uh, do it by your word. Uh, his word can. There are others here that, says, that say help. I mean, really, you say help. You may not say it because you want to look, you know, good, but in your mind it's help. Uh, He's here. We're here. I want to say we're here, but more so he is here. Go to Jesus. Uh, And then there are others who say, uh, man, let's go. And that, that seed has been planted somehow by the Holy Spirit, has begun to bud 
and grow. And uh, that is exciting. And uh, thankfully, over my years in ministry, I see it, seen it all the time. Because I've seen the I wants and I've seen the I can'ts, but I've also seen the let's go. Let's go. And that's, it's grown my faith, actually being in ministry. There really are new creations. It really is a new life. And it really can start at any moment, including right now. So, you know, what I would say is uh, just a little closing story. You know, I have a, have a nephew. His name is Mason. And he's come here a couple times to some baptism services. And a few weeks ago, he started talking to his dad about how he wanted a new life. And those were his words. He didn't want to just become a Christian, a new life in Christ. And that he wanted to be baptized, and he's 10. And his dad said, my brother, said, um, well, that's great. You know, we can baptize you at church. And, and Mason said, no, I want, to be, I want to be baptized like they baptized at Uncle John Hughes' church. And so I was like, you know. Praise God for that. So we're going to celebrate his baptism uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, it's actually going to either be at a lake uh, or um, in, a, uh, in another baptismal at a church. But he said, I want a new life at 10. So, man, I, I beg y'all. I mean, I, I feel like I beg y'all every Sunday. Because I, I see the idols, and sometimes I see the resentments in your heart. And I see the, the power uh, that is weak, but of sin and the devil. And I know the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I beg of you to, to let go and to start anew. We'll be talking about this over the next couple of weeks, but a new life. Start any moment in Jesus today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, some people need to be made new. Uh, some people may need to be new again. I thank you for your power. I thank you for the ministry that you have given your church, Big C Church, of both reconciliation uh, and evangelism that we proclaim. Uh, the things of this world uh, will not just uh, one day be no more, but the things of this world will not make us new. And only you, Jesus, would. So I pray protection over the members of this body uh, from the sin that's in all of us, uh, from the enemy that is outside of us, and I pray by the power of your spirit, the great power, people would be directed or redirected uh, to new life and live as a new creation. In your name we pray, amen.